Amen. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. Uh, while they receive the offering, we're going to jump right into the sermon. And so um, you guys kind of multitask for a second. Um, they're going to receive the offering, and we're going to be in Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Let's go. Um, we've been in Colossians now. This is our, our eighth week in Colossians, and we're beginning chapter three this morning. We're almost done. We actually only have two weeks left after, after today, so, um, so, so three weeks, I guess, technically, but two weeks after today, and we're going to be wrapping up Colossians as we head into this season of, of Advent and Christmas. I'm really excited about that for you all. We've got some really crazy fun stuff planned. I'm excited. We'll announce that in a couple weeks. Um, this morning, as we enter into chapter three, uh, up until this point, Paul has said, Paul has said, man, look at Jesus, 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 look, look at Jesus. Only he, he is the only one who can rescue. He's the only one who can redeem. He's the only one that's going to transform your life. Um, you cannot buy, find, acquire, earn um, your relationship with him. You cannot buy, find, acquire uh, salvation. You cannot buy, find, or acquire eternal security. You cannot fix what has been broken in humanity. He can. The God of gods, the King of kings, he can, and he has. He stepped into time. In Christ, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He is beautiful. He is mighty. He is righteous. He is pure. He is holy, and he has given his everything. He's given his life for you. He's laid it down. He hung on the cross and bled the ground red so that, so that he might absorb the wrath of God, the punishment that was due to you, the punishment that was due to me that he might bear that punishment and raise us to new life, that we might be made new, as Paul said in chapter 2, that we might be made new. Now, Paul's going to turn his attention to our next natural step, okay? Now that we've understood that it's not us who does the saving, it's not us who has um, built or acquired uh, justification or salvation. We have not found those things. Christ has pulled us out of that and has, and has washed us and cleansed us and made us right. He's given us his righteousness, okay? We haven't done that, but now it's time to get to work. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to be um, unpacking the beginning of chapter three, and we're going to do it over the course of two weeks. We're going to do chapter three over the course of the next three weeks, but we're going to do this section of chapter three over the course of the next two weeks. Because there's, there's two heavy weights, and if you try to put on one without putting off the other, it just doesn't work. This doesn't work. Paul refers to it as putting off the old and putting on the new. Everybody loves new. Trust, everybody loves new. You love new, I love new, everybody loves new. How many of you guys love going shopping for new clothes? Anybody? Anybody love new clothes? Anybody love putting on a pair of new jeans, just fresh clean, right? You strut into work and you're just like, yeah, this is new and I feel good about it, right? Um, everybody loves new, right? The smell of a new car. Anybody love the smell of a new car, right? Everybody loves the smell of a new car. The people who aren't raising your hands, you guys are weird or you're lying. You're probably lying, um, right? You just, oh, it just smells good, right? The, the new gadget, the new toy, the new phone. How many of you guys like getting a new, new phone? You just play with it, play with it, play with it, play with it, right? Everybody loves that, right? Like you just gotta have the new. Everybody loves new. That's next week. Okay? I'm just giving you a heads up on that one. Have you guys ever seen Empire Strikes Back? Anybody know? Anybody see Empire Strikes Back? Yeah. Empire Strikes Back is a crazy film because in it, basically the plot, the premise is um, the bad guys dominate the good guys again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And then at the end, you think the good guys are about to kind of break through and win, and they don't. They get crushed. They get spanked. 
and then the movie ends. Today's kind of like that, okay? Um, it's kind of like that. Uh, listen, you must put off the old, and nobody likes putting off the old. Nobody likes putting off the old, right? Listen, you got closets full of clothes that you never wear because you don't want to get rid of it, right? You got storage, uh, you got storage sheds full of stuff. You don't even remember what's in there, but you just don't want to get rid of it. Like it's just, there's sentimental value in that old rake, okay? Like you just don't, you don't want to get rid of it. I don't know. It's just, it's just in us, right? There's something in us. We don't like to put off the old, but we love the new. We just want to kind of shove the old away someplace um, without ever really getting rid of it. And Paul's like, dude, that doesn't work. It's not going to work. In this instance, when it comes to a new life in Christ, okay, it's not going to work. You must put off the old before you can ever put on the new. There's not enough room in your soul for both. The two cannot coexist. That You cannot walk in the old while attempting to walk in the new. They are opposed to each other. They don't work together. It's oil and water, and it just doesn't mix. It will not work. And so before we can ever dive into the new, and next week's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so great and glorious. We're just going to laugh and play, and it's going to be great. We must wrestle with the old. We must if you miss it, you'll never, get, you'll never get the new. You'll never get it. You'll spend your days exhausting yourself, trying to figure out, I mean, why don't I have this joy that everyone else has? You never learn to put off the old. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a brilliant uh, theologian in the uh, 50s and 40s and 50s, he said this. He said it this way, and I love this quote. I've quoted it before. I'll probably quote it again. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He said, we have to be poor in spirit before we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, negative before positive. And here again is an, another example of exactly the same thing. Conviction must of necessity precede conversion. A real sense of sin must come before there can be a true joy of salvation. Now that's the whole essence of the gospel. So many people spend all of their lives trying to find this Christian joy. They say that they would give their whole world if only they could find it or become like some other person who has it. Well, I suggest that in 99 cases out of 100, this is the explanation. They have failed to see that they must be convicted of sin before they can experience joy. They do not like the doctrine of sin. They dislike it intensely. They object to its being preached. They want joy apart from the conviction of sin. But that, that is impossible. It can never be obtained. Those who are going to be converted and who wish to be truly happy and blessed are those who, first of all, mourn. Conviction and is, a, is a, an essential preliminary to true conversion. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, if you do not take the thing that you do not want to listen to, the thing that you do not want to engage in, if you do not engage in it, if you do not take it seriously and wade into it, you will never experience the good. Without wading into the bad, nobody wants to talk about it. This is awkward. It's strange. It's sticky. It's dirty. I don't want to go there. We're going there. And if you don't wade into this with me, if we don't wade into this together, we will never become a community, we'll never become individuals who experience the fullness of the new. Let's go. Chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says this way. 
He's going to set it up a little bit. He says it this way. If then, if then you have been raised with Christ. All right, stop there. If then you have been raised with Christ. If then everything I've said so far up until this point, everything I talked about uh, last week and the week before and the week before that, if then you have been raised with Christ, you've experienced the goodness of Jesus. You know who he is and you know what he has done on your behalf. You know that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of gods, the one singular God put on flesh, he dwelt among us, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross for you to absorb the wrath of God, to give you his righteousness, to take your unrighteousness, to bear the punishment for that, to bear the penalty for that, to bring you into new life. If then you have been raised with Christ, if then, seek Chase after, pursue, look for, grab hold of, and you've got to find it. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind, focus it, set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are of earth, for you have died. The old is gone, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ appears, who is your life? When he appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. The first thing that he says, first thing that Paul says is, man, man if, you, if you are in Christ, you've given your life to him. And I know not everybody in this room has. I, I understand that. But for those of you who have, for those of you who have declared with your life, yeah, only Jesus. I don't want to be known... For my career, I don't want to be known for my skills. I don't want to be known uh, for anything other than him. I want him to mark my life, only Jesus. I believe that he has done everything for me, that there's nothing more for me to find, buy, or acquire that's going to be greater than him. I'm going to love him more than I love anything in my life, more than my family, more than my, my wealth, more than my possessions. He is preeminent in my life. For those of us who have experienced that, We've been raised to new life through Christ. If then, man, fix your gaze on the things above, not on the things that are of this earth, not on the things that are below. Stop. Stop stressing over, meddling with, worrying about the things that are small and trivial when the weight of eternity has been secured for you. You no longer have to worry about um, whether or not you have it or you don't have it. You no longer have to worry about whether or not when, you're, when your eyes close in death, if they awaken to Christ. It's secure for you. So fix your gaze there rather than on this small, temporary, trivial things that most of us spend our days peddling about with and worrying about in. Right? Listen, Paul's going to dive into the deep end of the pool here in a minute, and he's going to pull out one piece of this. But if you just want a quick litmus test, Quick litmus test on whether or not you get this, right? Then think about what stresses you out. What are you worrying about? What are, you, what are your days consumed with? Is it money? Are you constantly thinking about, man, how can I get more? How can I, how, can I, how can I arrange different things? Or maybe I can do a little side job over here and I can get something over here so that I can buy this thing. Is it stuff? Got to have the new, got to have the new, got to get the new house, the new car, the new boat, the, the bigger this, the better that. Man, I know, I know I bought a new boat last year, but the Bluetooth's broken on it, and so I just want to go get a new boat, right? That doesn't make any sense, but that's what we do. It's what we do. Is it, is it your career? 
It's, I got to earn more. I got to, I got to be known. I got to, people got to see me and respect me for, 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 for the person that I am. I, I'm the most talented, the most successful. They got to see me that way. You stress about it. You worry about it. Is it your health? Is, is, it, is it death? Some of us have realized, man, the bulk of the pages of our life are now in our left hand and they're no longer in our right hand. And maybe it's because you're getting older, maybe it's because you're young and the doctor's called and there's no cure for what you've got. You stress about that? Man, when, when we come to Christ, when we're, when we're raised to new life in him, if then, forget about all that. Fix your gaze on him. Draw near to him. Death is just death. Stuff is just stuff. It doesn't change the eternal weight of glory that awaits you. It's light and momentary. Your afflictions in life are light and momentary. I understand some of you in this room are going through hard seasons. You're going through hard times. It's light and momentary compared to the eternal weight of glory that awaits us. Fix your gaze on him. Draw near to him. When we live in the truth, when every day we wake up and we remind ourselves of the beauty of the gospel, what Christ has accomplished on our behalf, on my behalf, and on your behalf, it changes the way we see the world around us. The things of this earth begin to diminish. But we also begin to take the things of this earth in some ways more seriously. We have to. We have to begin to take our sin more seriously, our brokenness more seriously, so that we're not pulled down and focused in the muck and the mire, but we are able to raise our gaze. You can't raise your gaze until you've cut the strings that are there pulling you down into the muck and the mire. And that's where Paul's going to go with this. This is where he's going to go. In the next verse, he says it this way. Put to death, therefore. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Stop there. We must begin to take our sin more seriously. And for some of you in this room, you, you, you might have declared a long time ago, yes, I want Jesus to be preeminent in my life. But you've never thought about this. You never thought about this idea of indwelling sin, right? Who's Paul talking about here? Surely, surely not a faithful follower of Jesus. Surely not somebody who, who wants to have a flourishing relationship with him, right? Surely this person that he's talking about is somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Surely this person that he's talking about is somebody who's, who's dirty and stained and, and into weird stuff, right? Surely he's not talking about me. What's verse one? If then you have been what? Raised with Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ, if then you have, you have experienced his goodness, if then you have put, put him as preeminent in your life, if then you've put your, the fullness of your hope in him, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. 
Put to death, therefore, what is earthly where? In you. See, I, I don't want you to miss this. I, you can't miss this, right? Paul is talking about people who have given their lives to Jesus and still have this living inside of them. This is not, I mean, you've got to get your life together before you will ever understand who Jesus is. That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, man, you come to Jesus broken, stained, and you know it. All of the things on that list you've experienced. Because Paul says, you once walked in them. I once walked in them. Every single one of them. Every single one of them I've experienced. Every single one of them I've experienced in my life. I participated. I've done it. I've been there. I walked in it. I waited in it. And now that I've been raised with Christ, I have this new life in him. It still lives in me. It still lives in me. So Paul says, what do, we, what do we do? Put to death, therefore. That's hard language. That's strong language, right? You see, the this is a very natural reaction to something that is very unnatural for you and me. Tracking? This is a very natural reaction, but something very unnatural for you and me. You see, the very natural reaction when you, when you experience the fullness of Christ in your life, the natural reaction when you experience the fullness of his glory and might and goodness is to draw near to that. It's like a magnet. I can't get enough of it. It's good. It's right. I want to draw near to, to glory, to purity, to righteousness. I want to draw near to that. But in me, in me is sin. In me is in my earthly nature. And the natural reaction of my earthly nature is to draw away, to draw towards um, my own brokenness, to draw towards the things that Paul lists, anger, malice, bitterness, jealousy, sexual immorality, covetousness. That's my bent. And so what this creates in you and in me and every follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, what this creates in you and what it creates in me and in every follower of Jesus on, on planet Earth is straight up all-out war. Every moment of every single day in every single follower of Jesus, there's an all-out war being waged. Paul says in Romans 7, man, I don't understand why I do the things that I don't want to do. I don't want to do it. Everything in me wants to be gravitated towards Christ, but then I keep doing these things. I don't understand why I keep doing the things that I don't want to do. Um, in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, man, I beat my body into submission, right? I'm declaring war. Here he says, put it to death. That's strong language. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put it off. Get rid of it. Kill it. Remove it from your life. This idea, this language is what we refer to as the mortification of sin, the killing of sin, the putting to death of sin. Um, John Owen, the great Puritan preacher, wrote a work called The Mortification of Sin in Believers. And in it, the, kind of the famous line, the famous quote is, be killing sin or it will be killing you. It's one or the other. Either you are actively engaged moment by moment in your life killing sin or it's actively engaged moment by moment killing you. That's the work of sin. It's what it does. It kills. It kills uh, marriages. It kills relationships. 
It kills relationships with our kids. It kills relationships with our friends. It kills the peace in our lives or maybe even moments of that, right? You say, no, my marriage is good. Yeah, but sin is what kills moments of your marriage. Every argument, every um, ounce of bitterness that you've ever harbored towards about, man, that's sin, killing those moments of your marriage, killing moments with your kids, killing moments with your friends, killing moments in your career. Sin is engaged. It's warring. It's pressing in. It's actively engaged in that. It's killing the peace in your life. It's killing the love in your life. It's, it's killing the hope that you have. It's actively engaged day by day, killing it, shipping away little by little, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. It's always moving, always killing, unless you're killing it. The only thing that stops it is to kill it, to put it off, to, to beat it, to, to fight it moment by moment by moment. And the greatest thing, I think, is that without putting it to death, without, without putting the sin to death, y- yes, maybe, maybe, um, you only experience the moments. By the grace of God, you only experience moments of death rather than massive amounts of death in your life. By the grace of God. But ultimately, ultimately, it's killing your ability to ever put on the new, to finding that full joy, that full flourishing in Christ. Um, it's killing the ability to ever find that. It's coming in between you and Jesus every single moment of every single day. So, so, so yes, I made it through today. I only slipped up a few times, but it's killing the fullness of joy that God has for you in Christ. We cannot put on the new without putting off the old. And some of us, some of us, what our tendency is, I wouldn't say some of us, the majority of us, what our tendency is, is to say, no, 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 I'm okay. My marriage is okay. Listen, I'm not cheating on my spouse. It's okay. My relationship with my kids or my grandkids, it's okay. My relationship at work, people at work like me, Josh, it's okay. My boss, it's okay. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good person. And we suppress it and we live ignorant to it. We turn away, we numb it with the things of this earth. We use the things of this earth to numb, to numb it in our lives, to numb our actual attention to it. John Owen, in that same work, said this. He said, said it this way, talking about the ignorance of indwelling sin. He says, ignorance of it, that sin dwells in you, breeds senselessness, carelessness, sloth, security, and pride. Inquire then, how is it with your souls? Do you find it dwelling in you, always present with you, and putting forth its poison with easiness at all times, in all your actions, when you would do good? What humility, what intenseness in prayer, what diligence and watchfulness does this call for? What spiritual wisdom do you need? What supplies of grace, what assistance from the Holy Spirit will be discovered Fear. Fear that few of us have the diligence proportionable to our danger. I fear that few of us have a true diligence proportionable to the danger in our lives. Listen, if you if you see a kid, right, playing with some sharp knives sticking them in a little light socket, right? What's your reaction? Like, what's that, what does that do to your, you know, heart? 
What, what happens in that moment? How fast are you in that moment? Right? It's like that superhuman parent like strength comes forth in that moment. Like you don't know how fast you are until you see that kid about to stick that sharp knife in the light side. And then all of a sudden it's like bang, and you're like on him, crab, I got stop, what are you doing, dude? Right? Now why? Is he or she bleeding? No. Are they are they being shocked? No, no. No. Well, who cares then? Why? Because you know what's gonna happen next. You, you know the danger that they are in. And so you move with, with lightning speed as quick as you can to, to put it to death, to stop it. Stop, don't do that. Not, not because they've actually engaged. Not because they, they're actually bleeding out because they cut themselves. Not because they've actually uh, electrocuted themselves, right? But you know that's the consequence, man. That's the consequence. They could cut themselves and bleed out. They could stick it in and get shocked and, and die from it. Like, that's the consequence. And so we, we move to stop it. We move to, now this is the thing. That's going on every single day in you. Every single moment of every single day, it is happening. It's taking place inside of you. Something far more dangerous. Something far, far more scary. Something that requires far more urgency. Or it's like, nah, it's okay. Let them play with a knife. Let them stick it in the socket. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Uh, listen, I know I'm a, I'm a little attracted to the woman at work that's not my spouse. Or I, I know I look at the guy at the gym that's um, not, not my husband. I, I understand that. But listen, it's, gonna be, it's fine. I'm never going to actually go anywhere with that. It's fine. Keep playing with the knives and the light sockets, man. I know I've got this problem with anger, and it boils up at home, and I know that I'm working on it. It's okay. Just keep playing with that knife and that light socket. Every single moment of every single day, this is going on in us. It's happening right now in you. It's happening. There's things in your mind that are going off and saying, nah, not me. Just, just keep suppressing it. Just keep, just keep pushing it away. We must move towards it with diligence. Paul's going to give us two things. Two things. This is what he says. Verse 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. There's two things that Paul points us to on how do we engage this. There's a, there's a myriad of ways to engage sin in your life, to engage it moving and working and active in your life. There's a myriad of ways to do that. And I would encourage you to read John Owen's work. It's, it's an amazing piece of work on this idea of killing sin. But Paul's going to give us two ways. The first, he says, stop lying about it. Don't lie about it. Right? You've put off the old, you put on the new. Stop, stop, stop lying about it. It's gone. It's over. Kill it. Get rid of it. Just keep killing it. Don't, don't lie about it. We all know it's there. It's in you. It's in me. Stop lying about it, right? It's, it's like that crazy thing in Stranger Things. Have you, how many of you guys have seen Stranger Things too? Right? Okay. This is good. This is good, all right? Um, that, that mind flare, right? That mind flare in Stranger Things, right? It is it's underground. For those of you who didn't, haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Okay, I promise, okay? Just, just, you haven't been enlightened yet. It's all right. I'm going to help you. Um, 
It lives underground. It's burrowing these tunnels in this, underneath this town in Indiana, Hawkins, Indiana, right? And nobody wants to talk about it. They've suppressed it. They've kept it quiet. This, all the scientists know, but they're like, no, I'm not telling anybody about this thing, right? And it's growing, and it's growing, and it's tunneling, and it's boring all throughout the town. And it's getting stronger and stronger by day until it's discovered, until it's been brought to light. Some of you are like, what in the world are you talking about? Trust me. Stranger Things is uh, Colossians 3. Um, listen, I got, a, I got a little boy, Winston. Winston, um, we, just, we just had a Halloween. Winston got a, a load of, a boatload of Halloween candy, right? The other, the other morning, I came down, and um, it's quiet. And you always want it to be quiet in your house, but when it's quiet, you're like, man, it's not good. Um, it's quiet. And I know he's down there, but I don't, it's just quiet. I'm like, what's he doing? Like, Winston, where are you? Nothing. Now I know it's bad. All right. Winston, buddy, what's going, where, what's going on? Where are you? Nothing. I find him underneath the counter munching on some chocolate. It's like 8 in the morning. Now, the thing is, is like we give him, it's his candy, all right? But like not at 8 in the morning, all right? Like I'm not, I'm not going sub, to subject his teachers to that. Okay, the, the, the craziness that's about to come forth from him. I'm not going to subject him to that. So I'm just like, dude, what are you doing? Who told him to hide under the counter to eat his candy? Who told him to crawl into the, uh, this is the other time, crawl in the backseat of the car and like hunker down in order to shove stuff in his face? Like, dude, what are you doing? Like, where, do you, where does this come from, right? Sin breeds in secret. It grows in the quiet. Where no one has found it. And so what Paul says is, man, you've got to identify it and expose it. You must identify it in your life. You must be diligent enough and self-aware enough to, to identify it in your life and expose it. How, how do we identify it? How do we identify it? I want to challenge you, a little experiment. This week, one week, seven days, from now until next Sunday, every day, as you're going through your day, and sin rears its head in your life. It's going to be different for you than it is for me. It's going to be different for you than it is the people around you. It's going to attack you in different ways than it might attack me. For some of you, it'll be the same as it attacks me. As it rears its head in your life and you see the ugliness, you see the impurity, you see the unrighteousness, write it down. Just write it down. Yeah, you fell into it. You stumbled into it. You shouldn't have done that. Okay, forget about it. Jesus has cleansed it. He's washed it. Write it down. Write it down. What was it? What, what happened in that moment? What, what led you into that? And what was it that you did? Write it down. Seven days. And at the end of the day, just say, man, is there anything I forgot? Is there, any, is there anything in this that I forgot that, I, that, I, that this, day, this day when I got angry here or I looked at someone in the wrong way here or I, I thought wrong thoughts here or I daydreamed about the wrong thing here? Write that down at the end of the day. And then after a week, identify. And I, I promise you, there's going to be one to three big things that stand out to you. One to three big things are like, this is my, this is my issue. This, this, is where, this is where I'm being attacked. This is where I'm being killed. This area of my life is being killed. And, and it, um, this is where I'm experiencing the most anxiety, the most frustration, the most stress. This is where I'm experiencing the most impurity, the lack of righteousness. This, in, these, in this one to three areas, then tell somebody. Quit hiding it. Illuminate it. Bring it into the light. Expose it. Tell your spouse, tell your best friend, tell your small group, bring it into the light and say, this is it for me. This is where I'm struggling. This is where I'm dying. And I need to begin to kill this. 
and then we kill it. Every day, moment by moment, as we walk with the Spirit, we kill it. Now, here's the thing. You can't just do that. If you do it, it's going to be awkward, right? You can't live your life just saying, nope, 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 nope. You can't do that, right? Right? When, when that person at work that you're kind of attracted to that's not your spouse, that comes up and you're just like, no, nope. right? You can't, listen, it's going to be awkward, all right? You cannot do that all day, every day, right? So what's the next thing? What, what do we do? We must put on the new, Paul says. We, we don't just put off the old. We put on the new. This is what we're going to talk about next week. Next week's going to be fun and good and right. But he gives us a picture of it here, right? We must begin to look at those around us. When anger begins to boil up towards someone, we look at them with love and grace and mercy. We see them in the image of Christ. We see them as someone who has been created in the image of God. We see them as someone who Christ longs to redeem or already has redeemed. And the fullness of Christ is in them. When, when we see somebody at the office who we are attracted to or at the gym that we're attracted to, that we, don't, we, don't just, we don't say, no, 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 no. We say, man, they are beautiful in the image of God. And he loves them and he longs for them to be known by him and to find holiness, to find purity in Christ. And so I'm not going to distract them from that. We must put on the new. The new is what changes us. As we, as we learn to walk and step with the Spirit, as Paul says, this is what actually secures us for us. And this is where true flourishing begins. This is where true flourishing takes place. You'll never know it unless you begin to identify the old and kill it, put it off, get rid of it. Paul gives us a picture of it in the last verse for this morning. He says it this way. We already read it once. I'll read it again. It says, here, in this place, in the new, there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. In the new, it's all about Jesus. In the new, Jesus is the only one that matters. In, in the new, when, when I begin to stumble and fall into sin, I remember the gospel and it pulls me out of it. And I kill it. And I proclaim, I need the new. Help me see it in the light of the new. Especially in this room. When people in this room, people who are followers of Jesus, stumble into it, maybe they say something to you that's hurtful or offensive. They do something that bothers you, that annoys you, that's broken in their life. You, it's exposed in that moment. Rather than it welling up in you and you experiencing anger and frustration and malice and bitterness and jealousy and rage, wrath, envy, strife, rather than experience that, and Christ is in them. The hope of glory is in them. We view them differently. There's no longer slavery. It doesn't matter what your political opinion is or where you lean on this issue or that issue or what the color of your skin is. Man, it changes the way we see the world around us. And we wade into the new more and more and more. And there's beauty there. There's hope there. There's joy there. But that's next week. Let me pray for us. Jesus, this morning we come before you. I ask that in this moment that we would be awakened to a present danger, a present danger that is here now, here now. It is all over this room because it's in every single one of us. 
And most of us in this room, most of us have probably ignored it for far too long. It is killing us. Again and again and again, moment by moment, it's killing moments of our life. Awaken us to that. Help us to see it. Help us to call it out and expose it. Put it to death so that we can put on the new. I pray these things in your name. In the name of Jesus. Amen.